Amen. Amen. Good morning, Living Waters Church. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Amen. While we were worshiping, I was reminded of Psalm 119, verse 68, that says, God is good and He does only good. That's who our God is. Amen. Well, um, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Dr. Lex Brown. For those of you maybe here for the very first time, and I am a uh, doctor of medicine, not theology, and I'm also a, um, a fellow in integrative medicine through the University of Arizona, <clears throat> and it has to do with this message today, actually. So this past week, I was uh, studying integrative oncology. That's that part of medicine that has to do with cancer. And in the introductory part of the uh, module on integrative oncology, um, we took a look at the burden of cancer in the United States. And I was reviewing a document called The State of U.S. Health. It came out in 2013. It was actually um, a... Uh, extraction of data from a larger study that was done in 2010 called the Global Burden of Disease. It was a, a look at 50 countries through, throughout the world uh, involving over 500 investigators, and they were gathering all the data in the world to look at the global burden of disease. And so from this giant database, they um, uh, took that which was pertinent to the United States. And as I was reviewing this document, <clears throat> I came across a table that um, showed the leading risk factors for what's known as disability-adjusted years of life, which means that uh, it's those years of life that uh, are... are are not healthy, either because of premature death or because of living with a disability. The number one risk for cancer, for cardiovascular disease, for endocrine disease, such as diabetes, was diet. Was diet. The number one risk. So diet is the reason in the United States for the, the highest level of uh, what's known as morbidity and mortality. The number two reason, which you probably could sit here and surmise, is tobacco smoking. The number three reason is a high body mass index, which is kind of a medical way of saying Obesity. And, uh, and then it goes on, the, the, the fourth one was uh, high blood pressure, the fifth one was a high fasting blood sugar, and the sixth one was physical inactivity. These are the factors that were contributing to disease in the United States. And if you think about it, uh, a high body mass index or obesity is actually due to the number one, 
dietary, hypertension, dietary, high blood sugar, dietary, and a high body mass index is, is uh, contributed to by physical inactivity. And so I'm sitting there doing this, this studying, and I'm pondering this. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it, and I'm going to myself. I say to myself, these are all pretty much modifiable factors. They all speak towards lifestyle. And mind you, I'm sitting there, and I am studying medicine. I'm not having a quiet time. I don't have my Bible open up in front of me and meditating on the Word. I'm meditating on a scientific article, and then all of a sudden, this still, small voice speaks into me and says, it all has to do with consecration. And when I, when I heard that, I wasn't expecting it. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about diet. I'm thinking about high blood pressure. And I hear this word, it's all about consecration. And so my spiritual ears kind of go on high alert now. And, and in rapid succession, the Lord gives me three verses. And the very first verse that he gave me was Romans 12.1. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And, 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 and everything begins to crystallize for me. I'm pondering now, I'm meditating on, I'm thinking about this verse that the Holy Spirit just gave me, just reminded me of, that we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And in other versions, it says it's your reasonable act of service. The second verse that he gave me was Proverbs 29.18. In the King James Version, it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. He that keepeth the law, happy is he. In the New King James Version, it says, Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. He that keepeth the law is happy. So, so here I, I'm, I'm looking at the fact that um, where there's no revelation, where there's no revealing of God's Word, the people perish, or they cast off restraint. There's nothing restraining them in what they do. And then the third verse he gave me, was um, Hosea 4.6. It says, My people perish for lack of knowledge. And so, you know, I, I'm thinking about this because simultaneously while he's giving these things, the other pieces of data that I had been studying uh, come to mind that 72% of adults in the United States are overweight or obese. 72%. 
the, the Centers for Disease Control estimate that 40% of all cancer is linked to obesity. The American Cancer Society and the uh, World Cancer Research Fund, they give guidelines for people to follow to prevent cancer. The number one guideline, right at the top of the list, is to maintain a healthy weight. And so I'm thinking about these verses that the Lord gave me and, and thinking about the fact that we're to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Or another way of putting it is we are to consecrate ourselves. So there's that word that he gave me. It's all about consecration. We are to consecrate ourselves. Consecration leads to revelation. And because without revelation, if we don't have revelation, or let's put it another way, if we are not consecrated, then we don't receive revelation, and then we cast off restraint, and then we perish. You all look so solemn. <laughs> I was talking to Dale before the service, and... Uh, and we were talking about this very thing, about losing weight. And, uh, and Dale, is it okay for me to say this, Dale? Dale has lost 40 pounds. And, uh, and, and what he said was really a confirmation of what God, what his message is to the church today. And I was greatly encouraged by his word so let's talk a little bit about consecration. I had to go look it up. So I went to Webster's. Consecration means to make or declare sacred. To devote irrevocably, that was in the definition, irrevocably to the worship of God. Irrevocably means it cannot be revoked. It cannot be annulled. Um, uh, it, cannot, um, it, it cannot be erased. Um, you can't go back on it. So consecration means to make or declare sacred. Sacred means to set apart. It means to sanctify and it means to make holy. So if we are to be consecrated, that means that we are to become irrevocably devoted to the worship of God. We can't go back. We can't put our hands to the plow and then look back. It's irrevocable. That kind of consecration. And so, to be consecrated means to be set apart for use by God. Consecration, church, is voluntary. And um, it has to be voluntary without reservation. So that goes back to Romans 12.1, doesn't it? We become a living sacrifice. The problem with living sacrifices is that they can crawl down off of the altar. So it becomes a voluntary offering of consecration to the Lord. We become living sacrifices on the altar, 
and we become holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship. Consecration has to be the whole burnt offering. If you go back to the Levitical law, and they talked about giving the offerings, they talk about giving the whole burnt offering. It has to be the whole burnt offering. If you go read Psalm 51, uh, where David is confessing his sin uh, after uh, dallying with Bathsheba, um, he talks about the whole burnt offering. So when we present ourselves as a living sacrifice, um, then it has to be a whole living sacrifice. We can't just decide we're going to sacrifice our arm today. It has to be the whole sacrifice. We present all of ourselves to all of God. And, and by that, consecration necessarily leads to holiness. So, in order to be consecrated and in order to be holy, it must involve all that we are. Spirit, soul, and body. It can't be anything less. Oftentimes we leave our body out of it. We reserve our body to ourselves. And, and I'm going to please my body. I'm going to please, I'm going to gratify my body. Galatians 5.16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. So we have to consecrate all of, we, of who we are, spirit, soul, and body. Um, 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 says that as He Himself is holy, then we must be holy in all of our conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And so he, the Father God when we accepted Jesus Christ and we entered into that kingdom of light, He has called us to a life of holiness. He has called us to a life of consecration. So now we put ourselves into God's hands for Him to use as He will. The Bible talks about the fact that we can be honorable vessels in the house of the Lord, ready for the master's use unto every good work. And so, that's what consecration is. But here's the deal. Consecration is what we do. Sanctification is what He does. Turn in your Bibles. In fact, get your Bibles out. <laughs> Turn to Leviticus chapter 20. And we're going to look at verses 7 and 8. <clears throat> so as you know, Leviticus is an enumeration of the, Le of the Levitical law, the Mosaic law. <clears throat> and I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. Leviticus 20, verses 7 and 8. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God, and you shall keep my statutes and perform them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. In the King James Version, it says, sanctify yourselves. In the New King James, it says, consecrate yourselves. 
The, this consecrate and the Lord who sanctifies, those Hebrew words there are the same word, kadash. And it means just that. It means to consecrate, to sanctify, uh, to set apart. And then the holy is kadosh, and it means the same thing, but with, a, with the flavor of being holy, so that whatever is set apart unto God becomes holy for His use. And so here we have an Old Testament verse saying, consecrate yourselves, be holy, why? I am the Lord your God, and as a result of the consecration, you shall keep my statutes and perform them, keep His word. And He said, I am the Lord who sanctifies you. So, we can't make ourselves holy. We can't go and strive and groan and grit our teeth and make ourselves holy. But we can certainly set ourselves apart unto God and consecrate ourselves and put ourselves upon the altar as a living sacrifice. And then He takes on right from there and He begins that process of sanctification. Flip over to Philippians chapter 2. Verses 12 and 13. So we looked at the Old Testament, consecrate yourselves, and I am the Lord who sanctifies you. And now we look in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, and I'm actually going to pick up on the B part of um, chapter, or verse 12. And it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The Greek word for workout is katergotsamai, and it means to uh, it means to work out uh, for the purpose of achieving a result. And it's it's working out. It's something that's going to be visible. It's something that's on the outside. So um, I work out. I, I work out six days a week, not on Sunday, uh, in an exercise program called P90X. It's, it's an hour routine. It's quite intense. And, um, and, I, and I work out in order to achieve a result. I, I turned 70 in November, and I, I feel, I don't know, I'll go out on a limb. I feel 30-ish. Why? Because, uh, because I work out. I, I lift weights. I do pull-ups and push-ups and and use weights, and I do plyometrics, and <clears throat> I do core synergistics, and, and, and what does it do for me? I notice that my, my balance is good. I'm agile. Uh, I have more strength than, I, than I've had before. And as I have been working out, and I work out continuously, I get stronger. I'm lifting more weight. <clears throat> I'm doing more pull-ups. I'm doing more push-ups. And it's because I am Cotter Gotsamayan. <laughs> I am working out. Because why? I've consecrated myself. I have determined that I'm going to set myself apart to exercise six days a week, and on the seventh day I rest, and, um, and, uh, and, and, I, and I expect results as a re- because of that. But look at the next verse, 13. 
For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for His good pleasure. The Greek word for works is energeo. And it means to, to put power into. Energeo, energy. We, he, God is the one who is working inside us. We work out. He works in. But when we consecrate ourselves and, and we determine that we are going to present all that we are, spirit, soul, and body, and we are going to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, that means we have received a salvation that is so great so free, so mighty, so eternal, and that, and, and that there's, there's nothing in us in our own ability to save ourselves. So now we work out through our consecration what He has already done for us with this, this awe and respect of who He is and realizing all the time that He now because we have consecrated ourselves, He has the ability to work in us, energeo, to make us willing to do His good pleasure. God thought of everything. He, has, he, he takes delight in every detail of our lives. He directs our steps. If we stumble... We will not fall because He holds us by the hand. That's who He is. I started out with Psalm 119, verse 68. God is good and He does only good. He has your welfare in mind. He has a plan for you. He had from the foundation of the world a destiny set for every one of you. That's who He is. That's who we consecrate ourselves to. So listen to me now. Because I'm going to give you a key. There is a key to consecration. Consecration is the product of prayer. I'm going to say that again. Consecration is the product of prayer. If a, a Christian is prayerless, then they're not thinking about consecration. And they won't live a consecrated life. See, consecration is not just doing church work. Consecration is not just showing up at church on Sunday. Consecration is giving all of yourself irrevocably to all of God. First Thess 5 16 through 18, you know these verses, but listen to it. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Rejoice, pray without ceasing. Why? Look at verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole 
spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is the one who does this. He sanctifies. But we have to be rejoicing. We have to be praying without ceasing. We have to be seeking Him. We have to be giving thanks to Him because this is His will for us in Christ Jesus our Lord. That should characterize our lives as Christians. So prayer and consecration, they go together. They're like, like the two sides of a coin. And, um, and, that, and like I mentioned before, prayer, when we, are, when we are praying, we are communicating with the Father. We are setting our eyes on the Father. We are in communion with the Holy One. There was a time in my Air Force career where I was, um, I had to go do a year of a remote duty in Korea. And uh, my wife, Jeannie, stayed stateside. And so we were separated for a year. And this was back in the mid-1970s. And um, there was no such thing as smartphones and FaceTime and texting. We communicated with one another by writing letters. Remember those letters? We wrote letters every day. I loved getting her letters because they were in envelopes that had perfume in them. <laughs> and I loved to see her handwriting. But most of all, I loved to hear her inner person expressed through the written word. Even though we were separated by thousands of miles, we were in communion with one another. And both of us will say to you that we grew closer as husband and wife in that year than we had in our marriage up until then. Because we were essentially praying. We were communicating. We were communing with one another. And we put our innermost thoughts and our emotions and everything that was going on inside of us, we wrote down on that paper and we sent it to one another. And, and in essence, we consecrated ourselves to one another. That's what we do when we engage in prayer with the Father. We are giving our Heavenly Father our innermost being, what's going on inside of us. As it says in Psalm 62, we are pouring our hearts out to God. We trust in Him at all times. Pour your hearts out to Him. That's what we do. And in that is consecration. Prayer always leads to consecration. And its goal is holiness. So when we go into our prayer closet, we are cultivating holiness. We are cultivating, we are growing ourselves 
in holiness in all of our conduct. Because when we go to the Father in prayer, we go in total transparency. He knows who we are. He knows our every thought. He knows every word that's coming out of my mouth before I even say it. Flip over to Luke 22. This is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. See, Jesus is our example of prayer. You know the stories. You know how uh, Jesus would go off into a, a quiet place to be alone so that he could pray to the Father. He prayed. He went up on a hill. He prayed all night long before the next morning when he chose the 12 disciples. Jesus said, I only say what the Father tells me to say and how to say it. Because he spent uncountable hours in prayer with the Father because Jesus was totally holy and totally consecrated. And now we find him in the Garden of Gethsemane, verse 41. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. So they're in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he walks away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. When we're consecrated and when we're praying, we have to pray for, with the totality of who we are. Spirit, soul, and body. Jesus did. He knelt down. It was a posture of His body in that garden before the Father to kneel down before the Father God and to beseech Him in prayer in a, in, a, in a position, in a physical position of worship and, and humility before the Father. And then it says, He's using His mind. He's saying, Father, please take this cup of suffering from Me. He's saying, Father, I know this is really going to hurt. And I don't know, maybe you've got a plan C. But, Father, not my will, your will be done. And then, it, it, it involved his emotions. He's praying more fervently. And then, he was in agony of spirit. He was praying out of his spirit. And he's, he's presenting all that he is as the Son to the Father. But he is in that position of total consecration. Not my will, Father God. Your will be done. Jesus is our example. So our prayer must be composed of substance. And our, our prayers must conform to a standard. What is the standard? It's the Word of God. The Word is truth. The Word is eternal. And so we should be so filled with the Word that the Word permeates our prayer. Our, the Word becomes the substance of our prayer to the Father. 
1 John 5, 14 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. His will is His Word. His Word is His will. So we can have that confidence when we go to Him and we pray His Word that He hears us. And it goes on to say that because we know that He hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of Him. That kind of confidence. That's what our prayer should be composed of. If we do not pray, and if we do not pray according to the Word, then our lives become aimless. See, we, should, we, we must have a target. We, we have to have something to aim at. If we do not pray, then we're living a very low Christian life. We're, we're floating along. We're being whipped around by the wind and the waves. We've taken our eyes off of Jesus and we're looking at our circumstances. If we don't pray according to the Word and we pray constantly, unceasingly, and unwaveringly, Look at the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 9, 26 and 27. This is where he likens uh, uh, the Christian life to running a race. And he says, well, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I pommel my body and subdue it, lest after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. He was aiming. He was running a race that was headed to the finish line. And he was running according to the rules. And he knew the Word of God. The Word of God permeated his life, his thinking, his praying was the Word of God. Philippians 3.14, he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's where I'm going. That's where I'm headed. I know where I'm going. And he finishes in his letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4.7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. That should be, that should be, that should signify our lives. That we, we know the race that we're running. We know where the end zone is. We know where the goal is. We press on toward it. It is always an upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's not a downward call. It is always the upward call. Abraham took the upper land. Lot took the valley. And so it's always an upward call that we are called to. So our praying should have that aim that what we shoot for. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says there's a cloud of witnesses that is looking at us. So let us set aside the weight that slows us down, the sin that so easily besets us, and let us run the race with endurance, setting our eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith. That's how we run the race with endurance. That's how we get to the end because God is at work in us. He supplies the power. 
in freedom prayer. And I encourage you to go to freedom prayer. Because oftentimes there are things in our lives that we don't even know about. Wednesday night, Chad Leonard gave a message. And he said something that really grabbed my attention. He said, my first freedom prayer was the first time I ever heard Jesus. That's what we want. We want to hear Jesus. And so oftentimes in freedom prayer, the Lord will put His finger on something, whether it is a lie or a wounding or an ungodly belief, and and He will replace that with the truth. And then we're able to take back the ground that the enemy stole. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Take back the land that the enemy stole, the ground that he stole, and establish that as holy ground. And the only way for us to continue to keep and occupy that holy ground that we got back in our lives is to continue to advance, to go on. If you think about a battleground, and it is, is when you take ground from the enemy in order to keep that ground that you just took, you need to continue to advance against the enemy and take even more ground in order to keep that which you have already won. That is the call of the Christian life. So we need to know where we are going. Do you need humility? Then get in your prayer closet and say, Father, I need to grow in humility. I'm aiming at a a humble life. Do you need faithfulness? Do you need steadfastness? Do you need perseverance? Do you need to forgive? Any of those things is where He is going to be at work in you in order to make you like His Son. When I flew the F-117, and we would go jump in our our airplanes, we had 2,000-pound bombs, laser-guided bombs on them, and our commander didn't say, Okay, boys, launch. Launch where? He didn't say just go. We always had a tasking order, and in that tasking order was what was known as a dimpy, the desired mean point of impact. And we would take off, and we would fly a prescribed route, and we would... Be, we would be aiming at a precise target. It, it was defined by latitude, longitude, uh, and we would be, I would be approaching the target, and I would turn on my sensor display, and I had a forward-looking infrared radar. I had a downward-looking infrared radar. I had GPS in the later versions of the airplane. And I would look in my sensor display, and there would be a crosshair that's sitting right on top of that dimpy. And I could see it with the infrared. And I would approach that, and there would come a point where I would consent 
and the computer would release a 2,000-pound bomb, and it would follow the laser that was illuminating the target, and it would go, and it would land right smack dab in the middle of that dimpy. Our Christian lives should be on the same order. We should be laser-focused on how the Lord wants us to consecrate our lives and to be laser-focused on the target that is going to mold us into His image. When we do that, when we give all of ourselves to God, He will give all of Himself to us. Romans 8.32, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, will He not also give us all things with Him? That's the promise, church. So that brings us full circle. <laughs> you knew I was going to do this, didn't you? We're coming back to diet and obesity. <laughs> hey, after all, I'm a doctor of medicine, not theology. <sighs> Our bodies are to be presented as living sacrifices. Our bodies are to be consecrated. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. If you look in the King James, it adds, and in your spirit, which are God's. So we are to be consecrated so that we can work out our salvation with fear and trembling, and He can work in us. He can work in us to will and to do His good pleasure. Romans 12.2, which comes right after 12.1. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's our calling. I didn't write it. He wrote it. He spoke it through me. He's saying to the church, church, I want you to be holy Church, I want you to be consecrated in all that you are, spirit, soul, and body. I'm going to leave you with a verse. I hadn't, this hadn't even, well, let me put it this way. It came to me through my wife. She reminded me of this uh, on the way home from the airport yesterday, and I thought it was so good. I'm going to end with it. This is Exodus 15, 26. Because I started out this message with the burden of disease. I see the burden of disease all the time. And Exodus 15, 26 says, God speaking, He says, If you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight, obeying His commands and keeping all His decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, 
For I am the Lord who heals you. So that's the word of the Lord to the church. So, church, you have to decide what to do with the word. You have to decide what to do in your own life. So, um, if I could have the prayer team come up. Right now, we're just, I'm going to pray over you. And um, if you want to come up and pray with someone on the prayer team about a consecrated life, if uh, any other thing that, that you want to pray about so that you can go on to holiness, go on to a consecrated life, and see the Lord begin to work signs and wonders and miracles in your life. Not only in your life, but in the life of the church because we are the church. All of us collectively together, 1 Corinthians 3.16 says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We, plural, you, plural, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are together His church, His body. And so, I want to give you the opportunity to come up and pray as I pray over you for everybody that's listening to the message or looking at the message. Um, it's, this is for you too. It's a time of consecration. It's a time to come before the Lord and, um, and present all of yourself to all of Him. So pray with me. Father God, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You that Your Word is living and it is active. I thank You that You are at work in us both to will and to do Your good pleasure. So we want to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We want to feast our eyes, fasten our eyes, fix our eyes on You and never waver. Always looking to You because You began our faith and You will finish our faith. You are going to receive us into eternity. We want to be meat for the Master's use. We pray, Father God, that Your kingdom come and Your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. And we want to be the, the honorable vessels for You to accomplish that. And we want to be well, Father God. We want to be well in spirit. We want to be zealous in our spirit. We want to be well in our emotions and in our mind. We want to be well in our bodies. Even though our bodies are corrupted, You are going to give us new bodies, but You are for our bodies. You made us. You created us. You knit us together in our mother's wombs. We are Your workmanship created in You for good works that You prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's what we want to do. So Father, we present ourselves right now as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to You because that is our reasonable worship. 
We pray all of these things in the name of the Lord Jesus who died for us, who sweat drops of blood for us in the Garden of Gethsemane. In His name we ask, Amen and Amen. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you, and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.